At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Previously on OK Talk. In the heart of Southwest Arkansas lies Falk, a small town with a big legend. Almost everyone you bump into has seen. As far as the size, the, the, the cone shape of the head, the black eyes. Or heard. Gone. And that's where it sounds. About the Falk monster. It was probably right in here or so by a roll of hay. Sightings of the ape-like creature around Falk date back to 1908. Eyewitnesses describe it six to nine feet tall, up to 400 pounds with brownish red or black hair and unusually long arms. Most sightings in the dense woods and along waters that lead to Boggy Creek. You're on real Boggy Creek. This ain't, this ain't, a, this ain't a branch off of Boggy Creek. This is ground zero right here, yo. You know anybody that says that they've seen it? Tina! <laughs> Tina! Hey, have you heard about Bigfoot? Let me give a Bigfoot howl and let's see if we get a response. It's time for our journey to begin. Unbelievable. Yep. All right, I'm climbing off of my canoe straight at a boggy creek. <laughs> Paddled your canoe all the way up the boggy creek back to our studios. Oh, I don't paddle myself. <laughs> I have paddlers. Just follow me around. Paddle me home, sir. Welcome back from the from the bogginess. You were out there a long time. I didn't know you were going to be gone that long. I didn't either. I didn't either. It's an it, intense uh, trip. Yeah, it just uh, it really got to be. Well, I wasn't there a, a night before <laughs> something happened, and shit started going down. It totally changed uh, my plans for the week, and. The weather held off long enough to where it was worth staying, and there were some cool people there, and I don't necessarily know if I was a, any kind of help at all to the actual <laughs> filming of this thing, you know? Uh, my whole reason for going was just to kind of <laughs> help them pump the project, and it's going to be kick-ass. I mean, there is... These guys, they've got it down. This was... At this point, it's like a science. We were finding out some things that there's going to be stuff in that movie that nobody knows about nobody 
I, I can just, from putting up stuff on the Facebook page and just sort of ro- watching the response roll in, people were really digging those audio diaries that we'd been putting out about, about your trip. And you were there to, like you said, help or at least hang out with the Small Town Monsters crew who were doing a documentary on the Boggy Creek Monster. So, and everything went well? Like they were, they were happy with their trip? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a lot of hard work. A lot of hard work. And again, we're talking about dudes from Ohio that are not prepared for Arkansas, Texas, springtime (laughs) weather. Zach, one of the uh, directors, was just like, he burned up like the first day they were there, you know, without even thinking about it. And I mean, you're in the thick of it out there. Yeah, the thick of it, the bugs, a lot of traveling. And the one thing that people may not understand is every time you're setting up an interview, you got to get everything just right. Audio, visually, light, all of that. You're operating on other people's schedules. You're going into places that are not easily accessible. One of the first interviews that they did, they get all ready to set up. And then all of a sudden they're like, what's that noise in the distance? And there's a freaking gun range over there so (laughs) you know the audio from that is just shot so like one of the things is hey let's try to find a place where that's not going to be the case and then you end up and so it's long days and anything that's worth doing like that it doesn't come easy and it's going to come out and again just my hats off to seth and brandon and zach and Aaron, who shot a lot of the behind the scenes stuff and hung out with me and Ohio Jason, who basically covered all the crossing of the T's and dotting of the I's and making sure that people had signed release forms. If you were just kind of even anywhere near the area, just in case, you know, you're in the background. And so those are the kinds of things that you're dealing with. And then, you know, Lyle is sitting here rounding up all these people that he knows. But still, you never know who's going to walk into the Monster Mart and just be like, oh, yeah, you've never met me before, but this is what happened and let's go and I can get you on this property that you can't get on and it's amazing and those guys uh, super impressed and it was really cool to be with the craziest part about it was that you know before I left Saturday or whatever I was kind of doing my homework on Falk and I was watching like the Monsters and Mysteries or whatever about one of them was about Falk specifically one of them was the Swamp Stalker I don't know which one is which but you know, I'm watching this show, and then I show up at this guy's land a couple of days later, and he walks out of his house. I'm like, I know you. <laughs> and it's weird. I've never been in this situation, you know? Like, the joke was like, oh, you're going and looking for Bigfoot. Like, some people in my family were messing with me about that. And I was like, yeah. no, we're going to. I'm documenting a documentary being made. <laughs> I'm going to try to make myself slightly helpful and just see what happens. And I drove directly there from here at like I left here at like eight in the morning or whatever, Sunday morning, drove to Texarkana. It's about two and a half hours walking to the hotel. I had called the hotel and made sure I could get like an early check in. I knew they would be gone, but I just want to go in, crash out. Maybe I'll see y'all tonight. And I walk in, and this is in that first audio diary, just the the lady at the front desk is just like, what kind of movie y'all making, you know? <laughs> and I've never been in a place, and again, I've been in California, and I've been through that whole area, but I wasn't, you know, one of those times it was that devil dog trip, and we were so far behind in our time because we had been stuck in Kingman, Arizona for four days, so we just kind of rushed through California where maybe I had other plans, but... 
this was the first time that I've ever been in a place where this isn't just a thing. Like, the Monster Mart has a gigantic Bigfoot on top of yeah, it. Yeah, it is the thing. It is the thing. The best part about it was, it, this area did not disappoint. I, a kid from Texas, East Texas, I'm from the thicket, you know? This place was every bit as squatchy in the parlance of our times. As thick as I've ever seen, as gnarly as you can imagine. And it doesn't take long for you to get there and realize okay there could be something to it yeah you you say that but i seem to remember you also saying that there's a good portion of the people that live there that seem to be pretty tight-lipped about about the subject yeah it's one of those things where this event happens and i mean they've been in the public eye for decades now right Right, and that initial event happened, and there was kind of national exposure to it, and then a guy comes down and he shoots like a docudrama movie that is a huge sensation. The thing about that I noticed was that I heard more stories from locals about people who didn't want to tell a story on camera. Right, so-and-so has a story, but they're never going to share it. Right, or people who had when they were younger and the ridicule that they caught from it, they won't ever talk about it again, so don't even try. There was a lot of that. And so that's why the whole idea of rounding up these people to get on camera to talk about it, you don't know. You don't know if, like, when it gets down to nut-cutting time, if they're going to show up, if they're going to get freaked out when you put a camera in front of them, Mm -hmm. you know, as soon as... I mean, I heard more stories about people who didn't want to have anything to do with being in a documentary, let alone a TV show or whatever. More of that than you would have thought. Yet, at the same time, it's still a kitschy place. There's places where you can go and have, have your face on the Bigfoot body. So it's a really unique area, but... All I can say is it just didn't disappoint. And maybe just because, again, we live in Texas, the environment didn't whip me as much as it whipped some of these other guys. But then again, like I could just peel off and do whatever I wanted. I wasn't actually working. So, yeah. Um, but I met some amazing people. And, you know, I'd never officially met Seth, but his whole team was really cool. Here's the legendary Lyle Blackburn walking out of the wood with his dark cowboy hat. <laughs> Ghoul Town playing in the background like his wrestling entrance music whenever he shows up. The guy's as much of a character as Sasquatch is almost. Man, he's from a, what I could tell. The dude's just got it down, you know? Yeah. I mean, he wrote the book about the joint. That's the fascinating thing is to kind of, you know, be around people who know the history and then just the smattering of locals and some of the witnesses that we met really 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 cool and it's amazing that it's it's just like right over there yeah yeah it's not far at all i I mean the the pictures and video that you were sending back which some of which got posted on our facebook page uh okay talk show facebook.com slash okay talk show give us a like i you know i've been in the in the in the bayou in new orleans or near new orleans I've been in that stuff, but I mean, it's so thick with vegetation and just the idea of dodging alligators and snakes and whatever else is hiding out there. Uh, that's that's enough to make me be like, I don't want any part of this. But you throw on top of that the fact that there are creatures, multiple, running about that may or may not be documented by science. And that adds a whole new mystique to the 
to the land that is already just true detective all up in that place. I've gotten so many emails and just comments on some of the posts that I've put around the web. I'm just the, these are people again that, you know, they, they've kind of gotten to know us in the almost not quite even a year that we've been doing this. And so many, man, I wish I could have seen your face. Ah, welcome to the Holy shit club. (laughs) But the crazy part about it is like, there is nothing about that audio that was that that was the most pure representation of my reaction it's just that initial did that really just fucking happen because that was and what a worthless companion i was for clint the rest of the evening because (laughs) it didn't matter what we were talking about i would just be like did something really seriously just yell at us yeah like why don't you seem more concerned I don't know. I don't know. I've been yelled at by a lot of things. And the craziest part about it is I've had some people who you couldn't get further away from being somebody that would be into this and had those looks from people that were just like, what? Mm -hmm. It's, it's one of those, when you first told me that, yo man, I, I was I went off howling into the woods, and something came howling back. I was like, "What are you? T- what, I, I I mean, my mind. I can only imagine what you were thinking. My mind couldn't process it. I'm like, "Are you freaking serious? Did we did like do we have audio right now that is going to go on our on our website of a of something?" unexplained howling like i couldn't even begin to imagine what that meant and even now sitting here like uh, having listened to the doctor or not the doctored but like the yeah the, the enhanced audio the enhanced audio. audio um courtesy of our guests who we're about to introduce i i listening to that i still can't even really process that that's something that happened, and yeah, I I don't know what to think of it. I can't I can't imagine what you think of it. Here's what I think of what was going on. I was just, I was honestly, I had met this guy earlier in the day. We shot a interview at his location. He runs the Boggy Creek Beehive Company. They make like beard balm and lip balm and. Obviously, honey-related products. And he and I just hit it off immediately, but I'm like... I mean, he's a guy that's badass. I mean, it's a house. It's not even a cabin. It's a house. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. it's got wood on the outside, but it's a really nice place. And But it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's so far out in the middle of nowhere that we're taking like three or four vehicles going to this place, and we're following Lyle, and Lyle stops in the wrong drive-in and has to like, he's like, hold up, you know, like I'm not sure this is the right place, and you don't want to pull into anybody's land and get shot, you know? And so, I mean, that's how you can't see these places from the road. There's really nothing there. There's his place, uh, his parents' place in a church on this 
long stretch of road, but we're just out there having fun. I'm really there just for the experience of like, here's a cool dude in the middle of nowhere that I can hang with when I know that everybody else just wants to go home and crash. And my schedule is already flipped because I've been up all night Saturday. I get there Sunday. I sleep during the day. And so I was ready to go. This dude's ready to go. We're kicking it. And yeah, no, you can hear in my voice the laughter when I'm like, hold up, hold up. And there's some audio right before that that will never get played (laughs) of what we were doing, singing songs of Bigfoot and the like, (laughs) almost mocking the situation. He has his banjo in his hand and we're, we're howling at the moon, man. I mean, but I hadn't howled. Yeah. And I've never been in the woods and done that seriously ever, ever. One time, there's a cow. And all I can tell you is, and I've heard this from so many people that have had the same experience that they're like, you have no idea how much louder the whole thing sounded. That initial burst of vocal, which we'll discuss with David, made me turn on my heel. And yeah, it's happening behind us. And... The next 20 seconds, there's a point in the middle of that where I am like, I'm looking at him with huge wide eyes and I'm just like, what, what? And, uh, something happens again and yeah, it, I'll tell you people, (laughs) I've shared this with so many people, so many people who have no idea what we're doing, don't know me from Adam and then people who know what we're doing. And I keep getting this question, like, what do you think it was? Well, I'll tell you this. It wasn't a coyote. And that's plainly obvious by the fact that something that happened a couple days later. My only other thinking was... That could be people messing with us. Yeah. And of course, it could still be people messing with us. But the one thing that I was told was that, you know, there's nobody in that direction. It's eight miles probably to the next county road. there, So there's nothing out there. But even if there were somebody out there. We hadn't been in town long enough for it to have been a thing that we were in town, if you know what I mean. And this is a one-off howl. It's not like we had been down there all day. There was no squatching going on. There was no... Again, this is a movie shoot. We're filming a documentary. We're talking to people about their experiences, but there's no let's go out and research on the side. That's not happening. This is just me in the woods goofing off with a local that I hit it off with. So it's not like the BFRO has been there for a week and, you know, you know, so that the locals can assimilate and be like, hey, let's F with these Yankees. Yeah. So the reason that logically I have a hard time coming back to it was people was because we probably did it five more times. Nothing. Right. You would. I mean, obviously, that's just trying. That's trying to. You know, extrapolate some sort of human psychology, but you would think if there was somebody out there who is actively trying to mess with you that they would at least 
respond one more time you know like time. hey we got him going now yeah that's not a foolproof argument but it but it's it's it makes sense to me and again as we will come to find out there's seems to be two different vocalizations and they seem to be at two different distances this- which is something that at the moment when you're in the moment it's almost impossible like directionally i knew that was the case yeah but all of the other stuff I had no idea about until I'm texting Cliff Berrickman saying, Hey man, you're never going to believe what happened to me out here in Arkansas. And, uh, he put me off to this guy, David Ellis from the Olympic project. And the dude has been like the guiding light in terms of the cool thing was he never really said, this is what I'm talking about, or this is what I think it is. It was, here's what you got. And then you and I looking at the, you know, looking at the data physically, like looking at a vocalization, we were immediately able to, it's not that hard. You know, I like to pretend, and Dave and I joked around last night, that was like, it, it, it would be nice to think that we were rocket scientists, but this stuff, it's not hard to put these pieces together when you look at it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I don't know, man. I don't know. I obviously... I almost feel weird saying that I felt like there was something out there that I didn't understand. Well, that's the thing that I, and I guess you sort of touched on that just now, but doing this show, especially when it comes to the topic of Bigfoot, and we've all had our own encounters with what we think maybe spirits or whatever else and we've we've talked about those and i'm sure we'll talk about them again but when it comes to bigfoot which we have talked about more than anything else on this show just simply because we're so i'm so fascinated with the people surrounding that i never thought that we would have our own evidence to share you know what i mean no like i thought we are here collecting evidence and, and telling people stories. I never thought a story from one of us would be something that we're talking about and, and on- that other people are talking about. Yeah, and honestly, it is a let me walk out in the woods and show you how to do it. And I was there with this really cool dude, Jason Coburn, and he's been doing this thing for like 20 years. And I shared with him what you know I caught the next day. And within an hour, you know, he's just like, you're the, you're the professional howler. It was like, <laughs> Hey man, anybody that gets a response, like that's a pro. Here's a dude that I have him on tape. He's in there talking about how he's been screamed at, had stuff thrown at him. Da 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 da. Never had a sighting. Um, yeah, I didn't, none of this was what I thought was going to happen in the least. And when you pair that with some of the other things that you've told me about, possibilities in the future yeah yeah uh, again. i I, <laughs> I can't even imagine what's to come no i know how <laughs> did that even happen and here i am again driving around the back roads trying to figure out where crabtree's lake is with two old hardened vets of the sasquatch world and and yeah um i'm not i can't i can't go too far down this path it's it, 
I've got to do it in terms of like it's just for the show, or else I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> you're going to be out there every. You're going to disappear. I can't do that. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> and I understand. Like I understand. I, I can only imagine like being in in your shoes right now, having heard that and being I need, I need more of that. I need to understand what just happened. Yeah, the funny thing is, is we did that like a couple more times, like I said, you know, and I looked at Clint at one point and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I already have what I'm looking for. Like, what do I think is going to be something better than that? And yeah. he's like, yeah, you're right. Turn your phone off. One's going to walk up and tap you on the shoulder and be like, hey, knock it off. <laughs> Quit yelling at us. Yeah, but there was a pattern of activity in that area. And... There was the most minimal amount of actual quote unquote research going on. We just went to an area. The fact that I screamed and I really think of the whole group. I'm the only one that howled the whole time I was there. Nobody <laughs> else was doing that. Nobody, you know, there. These are professionals we're talking about here. You know, <laughs> some idiot. I, I'm the one that's like, hey, let me give a bigfoot call. See if we get a response. <laughs> I mean, laughing as I say response, but. Dude, I I freaked out, intrigued, fascinated, blown away. All I've done since it happened, and it, it's been, what, like 10 days now? Jeez, that was just Monday. Mm -hmm. But, like, all I've been doing is, like, can you believe this? And I'll just... <laughs> I have a buddy in Vegas one of my best friends on the planet and uh he and i both we've been in some serious situations together and seen some serious things and we've had multiple discussions about this topic and uh it's funny because i sent him dave's analysis of the the harmonics and josh said he's like oh i only thought like birds and humans could produce harmonics now that's not necessarily true but it goes to show you that's the like that's really the, the amount of things that could do two note harmonies not are, a lot out there no not in north america and he uh <laughs> he sent me a picture the other day of his dog his little black lab asleep in its bed in the living room and he said that uh you know, he turned the computer on and cued it up to that howl and then just let it play. And that dog flipped out. Not my howl, but the response. And he was just like, look what she did whenever I played that howl. He's like, I think you got something there. You know, but <laughs> you realize real quick. Let's just suspend belief here for a minute. If that really was some sort of an unidentified primate in the woods that yelled back at me. The way that I feel about the fact that I knew that that was something that I uh, I hadn't experienced before, I can only imagine seeing something. <laughs> I, no wonder people fly off the handle if they really. Yes. yes. If you see what could only be described as a half ape, half human, whatever, something standing on two legs, staring back at you. I mean, I would, I would, I would melt down. 
I would. I mean, I don't know what questions you start asking yourself yeah, after that. And you're immediately, it's just grasping for straws, trying to find, you know. And there, th- the cool thing was, we were at least around people who were like, yeah, you know, like it was no big deal. People yeah. that it, this had happened to. But at the same time, there's this moment where it's like, I wanted, I wanted everyone to know that this happened. But just the beginning of getting to that story is hard. Just the, well, you see, I work in radio and I'm a professional voice actor and I narrated a movie. And then all of a sudden you're just like, they're just like, what the fuck? You think it was Bigfoot that he yelled at you? Are you telling me like I was totally with you until you just all of a sudden you said, you're telling me you think that was Bigfoot? Yeah. I don't know, man. It was crazy. Crazy. And all the way up until the very last thing that I did there, I really hated to go. Like the people that were around were amazing, mm-hmm. amazing. And so just as much as there are those people that don't want to talk to you about it, there were some people there that were like, I can show you some things. You know? <laughs> and I, uh, I'm so thankful that that was the case. And obviously there are things that are coming out in this movie, which hopefully are in October that knocked me on the floor. There are things about this case that are almost like it's common knowledge and they, we completely figured out the truth behind it and completely flipped the story on its lid. And so I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Yeah. And it just doesn't disappoint. It's cool to be doing it with guys like, you know, Seth and Brandon have obviously been around this kind of thing, but the other guys that were working on the movie weren't really into the scene at all. This is their first experience in the South, let alone being around Bigfoot people. Yeah. And so there's a really cool like interaction and I'm excited that, you know, at some point Lyle's going to hop on and join us and some other folks. And it's just, it was cool, man. It was cool. And then everything would have been completely cool had I not gotten yelled at. (laughs) This would be a totally different podcast that we're doing right now. Yeah. I don't know. I don't don't know what to do. (laughs) But I will tell you this. This guy that we're about to play you an interview with has kind of held my hand through a lot of this. And uh, I mean... in, in a way, I'm really thankful that all this happened because meeting this guy and talking to him, this is the first time I talked to him, and, but just seeing his correspondence, I've been blown away by the stuff that he's sent back and uh, back and forth and seems like the coolest dude, one of the coolest dudes we've met yeah, doing and, this show. And again, one of the other coolest people that we've met, Cliff, was like, this is the guy you need to talk to. Yeah. And I'm so thankful that I did. And David Ellis uh, pretty much heads up the Olympic Project, which is an independent group of researchers, scientists studying evidence in the phenomenon. And uh, you'll quickly realize how much of a pro this guy is. The one thing that he's doing that I know some other people have done in the past. You know, you've seen this where let's put this audio file in a spectrogram or whatever, but... This it's a science. It's almost like forensics. It's like vocal forensics, the way that this guy handles things. And it quickly took the things that I thought I heard in that recording and 
knocked all that out of the water and it was just like, well, this is what it is. Yeah. Not this is what it is. This is in terms of what it is, the creature, but here's this sound. Here's this sound. Here's this sound. Oh, by the way, there's all the crickets. There's the background noise. Here's how they all relate to each other. Right. And then to take other audio and be like, hey, can we compare this? And and this guy has at no point pushed me in a certain direction. He's only uh, kind of guided me, answered any question that I wanted. And I can't wait for you guys to hear him. And look, if you think that on any of the other <laughs> diary episodes that we played, the audio of the uh, fair cow, <laughs> um, just wait. Because yeah. this is the best. This is the best, clearly the best that I've heard of it. But so anyway, yeah, and I don't know what we're, I don't know where this is going next, man. I really don't. I do, but I don't, and I can't, and I won't, but. We're along for the ride. Yeah, it's fun, and thank you. And hey, guys, uh, I appreciate all the nice comments. Uh, Just one final thank you to the Small Town Monsters crew and to Lyle and to Jason and to Jerry and then everyone there in Texarkana and in Falk and my buddy Clint, who now we're like thick as thieves because we experience a monster (laughs) together. So yeah, more to come on this, but uh, wanted to go ahead and let you guys know a little bit of the science behind the howl. Boom. We would like to welcome David Ellis to the program. David is a researcher with the Olympic Project. The Olympic Project is an association of dedicated researchers, investigators, biologists and trackers committed to documenting the existence of Sasquatch through science and education. David specializes in audio analysis. He specializes as well as in being a terrific human being. Clinton contacted David in search of help with the supposed howly captured in the woods of Arkansas. The results will astound you. We reached David via the miracle of telephonic communication on an island off the west coast. Enjoy. So basically, Matt, here's what happened. Yeah. I, after I recorded what I recorded, I let Cliff Brockman know what had happened. And he was like, this is the guy you got to get a hold of. And Cliff thought he heard... He was like, it was either a Bigfoot or it was a coyote, <laughs> which kind of sounds like finding Bigfoot in general. You know, it could be this amazing thing, or it could not be, or it could just be a coyote. But again, you know, the file, and I sent you the file first, and then I sent it to one of the guys up here, and I yeah. sent it to one of the other studios, and we were just trying to clean it up. He was like, you need to get a hold of this guy. So, David Ellis, uh, pretty much heads up the Olympic Project, um, and he took this audio and did something with it that I can't even imagine. Sounds great. And of course, we're talking about the audio that I recorded last Monday night late. It was technically Tuesday morning. It was after midnight, Tuesday morning in Falk, Arkansas, in what we'll just call Jonesville. Not Falk, but Jonesville. And David is with us now because the work that he has done on this audio clip and other audio clip that we got and his... Uh, mastery of this subject, you need to hear what he has to say. Yeah. So, David, welcome to OK Talk. Thank you so much for joining us. 
thank you for having me on your show. Of course, of course. And uh, you and I, just to pull the curtain back a little bit, you and I have already discussed a lot of this in detail. But Matt obviously was not privy to that conversation, and neither was the listener. So <laughs> let me ask you this. When you heard the initial file that I sent you in the Dropbox link, and again, David is such a professional where he, his email back to me was like, I'm not going to tell you that this is a Sasquatch because, again, there's no such thing as Sasquatches. <laughs> <laughs> let's suspend disbelief for a little bit and let's just discuss what your initial thoughts were when you first heard the audio file. Well, uh, what I do is I do more than just listen. Um, I look. So I have a program that allows me to visually analyze the sound in a medium that gives me clues right away. So the first thing I did was I popped your clip into a program called Sonic Visualizer and put it in a spectrogram. And I could see right away that you had something of interest because it had telltale trademarks of things that I look for in other suspicious vocals. So um, when I heard it, I, I, I saw that um, it had been what I call stepped on by uh, people talking. So I had some work to do there. And um, the second one wasn't stepped on as bad, but yet there were some things to kind of clean up. So, um, but I could definitely tell that there was something there of interest. You said it had telltale trademarks. What are those things, at least uh, as far as this recording goes, what are the ones that you saw that that piqued your interest? Um, well, there's there, several of them were sent to me. So let's see if we can do this. Um, I've got my computer up here. Um, is there a specific clip? Um, and I can pop open the spectrogram. If we can refer to a specific file, is that by chance possible? Yeah, for sure. Wait, sorry, I had my mic off. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay. Um, so I think uh, the first one you sent me was um, I Falk. It was called Falk Bigfoot Howl. Yeah. Clint setting the stage a little bit there. Maybe attaining the water is already naming it a Bigfoot hell, perhaps. <laughs> yes, I will have to have a chat about that. <laughs> <laughs> Putting the cart before the horse. Okay, yeah, yeah. so Falk, Bigfoot howl, unedited. <laughs> yeah, not that I think it's a Bigfoot, he says, but it's a Bigfoot. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's what we were there for. So let's just uh, let's just play around. But okay, so let me try to do this. Let me see if I can play this out of the Dropbox, just so we can give everybody a indication of what we're discussing here. Okay. Let me give a Bigfoot howl and let's see if we get a response. Is that cool? Yeah. <laughs> Ready? Ready?
Okay. Let me ask you something real quick before we analyze this. Clint, can you tell me exactly what happened when you, you're recording this? I believe you're facing one direction and you hear it from behind you. So you turn around. Is that what we're hearing? Yeah. You're such a professional, Matthew. <laughs> Is this the right side of this thing? I, think I can't so. even tell. Yeah. Because girl, girl, Mike, I don't <laughs> know who even uses this. I can't hear it. I can't. If I turn my headphones up so loud, maybe. So basically what was occurring was I was standing in this little yard in front of this cabin looking at the stars and Clint, his name is Clint as well, standing next to me. He's playing the banjo. We're having a good time. And I'm just blown away, you know, because I could see the Milky Way. It was really the reason that I wanted to go back out there at night because we had been there earlier in the day. I'm facing this direction. There's a tree line. And earlier in the day, he had basically said that, you know, during the fall, when the leaves are all off these trees, you can actually see the road. But this kind of creates this pocket where it really feels isolated. But we're facing this direction. I was like, hey, hey, let me give off a Bigfoot howl. I give said howl. You can hear... In front of us, there's a cow in a pasture on the other side of the tree line. And Clint was like, that's a cow. You know, and then I say, obviously, he said, that's a cow. Then there was a suspicious, a deep, deep sound over my shoulder behind me. I turn around and that's why you can kind of hear my phone shift because all I'm using is my iPhone. And I did the howl and then I'm holding my phone up in the air. Right. And so I hear something behind me. I pivot left foot, turn in that direction. And then it was like we heard that deep noise. And then there's a first what I assumed at the time. I thought this was all one thing, you know, like I heard something behind me and then I hear the scream And then I thought it was over and I almost start to say to him, that was really weird. And then it continues, or at least in my head at the time, it continues. And then we're looking at each other face to face and I'm just like, did that really effing happen, you know? And in Clint's estimation of what, what I'm looking at, behind us, his parents live across the street. This is in Jonesville, Arkansas. Across the street, his parents have a place just a little bit down the way. Lots of acreage. The Boggy Creek Beehive Corporation. Not that it's a corporation, (laughs) but anyway, that's what they call this area. And then there's a church on this road. And I'm telling you right now, like, again, from East Texas, this drive through these, like, county roads to get there, he had pinned me on his iPhone on how to get there exactly. Other than that, there's no indicator... There's nothing. There's no street yeah. lights. There's in- nothing. And he basically said in that direction, seven, seven or eight miles is the next county road. So, so it's just land out yeah. there or swamp or whatever. Yeah, it's not even it's kind of back towards the swamp. He lives on what would be the east side of, quote unquote, Mercer Bayou, mm-hmm. which basically runs all the way. It runs north to south from Falk down. And earlier in the day, we were on the west side of this little piece of waterway. But again, it's one of those kind of things where there's no cutting across. <laughs> you, if you're going to drive, you have to drive all the way around it. Yeah. And so he would have just been to the east of that. Probably from like, let's just say the Monster Mart, which is where we kind of set up shop every day. From the Monster Mart, probably 
probably 20 minutes. Yeah. So, David, you hear that. He sent you that piece of audio, and I've played it for a number of people, and, you know, people who are not necessarily interested in it, and they just say, oh, that's a that's a coyote, or that's somebody else yelling. But when you hear it, and when you looked at it, more specifically, you, you say that may not be the case, because there are some things about it that are strange. Yeah, there's, um, it has a two-note um, visual to it. In other words, it's like a chord, and if you listen to the first scream, it, it sounds kind of raspy, because it's hitting two notes. And um, the upper harmonics are compact, and that seems to be a trait that I look for in suspicious vocals. It appears that there's, by the signature, that there's two individuals. So the first one is individual, we'll call it A, and then individual B seems to be responding. And it has a, a little bit lower signature, and what's... We call it an attenuated fundamental, which means it steps off when it ends. It's not a smooth arc. The first one is a smooth arc, but the second one has an attenuated fundamental. And that's another reason why I'm thinking that it is a different individual. Plus, um, there's a very, very faint uh, harmonic signature, which the other one has a very plain harmonic signature, which could mean that that one was actually closer because upper harmonics and lower harmonics show up when you are much closer to the microphone. I tell you what, let's play the Dave after doing his magic. Let's play. And this has not been played on the podcast. We had different people at different radio stations, Matt, yourself included, trying to boost the audio. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm in the sticks, you know, <laughs> and and this is kind of something that we've never really done before. Again, you know, we're dealing with background noise and the beautiful thing, folks, and what we're going to end up doing is we're going to put David's spectrum analysis on the website, the Facebook or whatever uh, in the show notes and you can see kind of it's it's brilliant and anybody that's kind of familiar with this has probably seen something like this before but you can see where he has the crickets at a certain hertz level and you can actually see the cow and then we'll talk about the suspicious quote unquote other cow or horn vocal here in a second but here was and let me just tell you this when dave sent this back to me obviously i immediately was like matt yeah you're never gonna believe it listen to how awesome this sounds i i couldn't i mean because when you sent it to me and i looked at it I, I was having a really hard time looking at the just looking at the waveform and finding where that stuff peaked over the crickets just the din of the crickets and i was having a real hard time separating it so when i heard what he sent back I couldn't believe how clear it came through. Yeah, let's. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and play this. This is uh, Dave's first treatment of the foul cow. So 
So I think what we should also do here is maybe play the five-time loop that you put together, David. Yes. Yeah, here we go. Here it is. So this is the both howls back-to-back five times. Looped. And this is what David's saying is that, and we discussed this last night on the phone, really what I thought was a break in the vocal and I thought almost that I had messed up the audio clip because you can kind of hear me look at Clint like trying to say like, that was weird because like that wasn't a cow, you know, because we hear this other and then we turn around. And what we are discussing here is that when you actually look at these two sounds on the spectrogram, they are at different levels with different, like Dave says, different harmonics. So maybe what I'm thinking is I got my howl in and maybe a lady answered me and then the male responded. Is that kind of where we settled, Dave? Uh, yes, uh, on a sub, uh, subjective process. Right. <laughs> Obviously. we're uh, Again, we're just all talking in. Let's just, you know, really weird yeah. hypotheticals here. But OK, so here here is the the two howls back to back multiple times. second one is so long you know what's really interesting is that first one the raspiness with which he was discussing just in looking at the waveform and the way that it comes through you can tell where that one seems when you're looking at it in the spectrogram it seems like it's uh higher i guess you would say at least in hertz level the other one seems to be like a little bit deeper yeah but you can definitely tell again the distance that he's talking about because that first one seems like it's a lot closer is that kind of what you were saying david yes yes now harmonics are logarithmic so that's why you can tell it's a two-note process if you look at what's called the main fundamental which is the lowest signature and then look at a repeating rhythm going up that's equal distance you'll notice that if you count them it's number one number three and number five are all related to one note and uh, number two and number four are related to a note. So that's why I say it's a two-note vocalization. Right. So I'm sitting here looking at the photograph of the spectrum analysis that you sent me, and I'm listening to the audio, and I'm talking to Matt after I shared it with him, and he was like, I wonder, 
In fact, I, I do think I call you. We don't ever call each other, David. We don't like each other, really. We just save all the stuff for the show. We don't we don't try to ruin any of it by talking to each other during the week. But yeah, it I, makes great uh, tension between you two, and, and, and you have better interplay that way. Exactly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We arm wrestle after every show to see who's in charge. No, I, I think I called you, and we were kind of discussing what we were looking at. And you said, I wonder, is there a way that we like what would a coyote look like in that same situation Mm -hmm. and it just so happens that a couple of nights later i want to say that that was thursday evening that we were back down there and the crew again the whole reason that i'm down there is we're shooting boggy creek monster shout out to seth small town monsters all that they know what they did (laughs) they know why they're here but so we were back in that area. We put a canoe out with uh, four people on it, two of them just paddling, two cameras, and they went off in the water. And me and this other guy are kind of hanging back. And Jason, who's a 20-year researcher, is sitting on his tailgate. You can hear the bugs in the audio because I just turned my phone on and let it roll. I set it on top of the truck, and it's just like... I couldn't believe how big... What were those that were flying around? Everything. Was it just flies? Everything. Or? Jurassic Park flies, man. <laughs> Everything down there was bigger, badder, boggier. It was just uh I couldn't it believe was how loud, loud some of those were. No, I know. It's crazy when you hear it back. But uh, you know, you're also hearing the tree frogs and the owls, man, the owls were really popping off. Mm-hmm. But um I told Jason, I was like, hey, I'm gonna give a howl. It's right at sundown. It's just perfect and this place is creepy enough as it is and then for us to just be sitting there by ourselves but what i'm thinking is occurring is that uh the area was actually so muddy that we only took two vehicles in and we left mark Matsky and seth and a couple other people back up at the top of the hill well i give this howl and i immediately get a response and then i clearly get a coyote and that night at dinner, we were kind of talking about it. And I was like, so you guys heard me, you know, howling or whatever. And they're like, no, we left. We went back up into town or whatever, shooting B-roll. Because this was like the last night shot they were going to get. And I was like, really? Well, so I we wanted to see what a coyote would look in this spectrogram. And then it just so happens that I was like, hey, David, I think I also have uh, that that sound. And I'm going to play this now. This is the... This is the amped Howl and Coyote short. And the interesting thing is, David, after I'm going to play this, we'll just let it play for a couple of times. And then you can come back in and tell me what... If you remember the email that you sent me about this, where you were like, I think there may be something interesting in there. Yeah. most amazing thing about that is when you put that against the other thing that we have and you just single the coyote you can hear it visually dropping off it's like a curveball uh, they sound completely different when you listen to them back to back and i don't know if i don't know if david can speak to this but is that do coyotes generally sound 
the same? I mean, is that is that a pretty typical coyote howl and what and they they look close to the same when you visualize them? Um, they're all over the map. They can have some very strange uh, looking signatures, which is why I, I, I kind of think that this is uh, the, the the stronger one with the, the weird ta- tapering off. That's I'm fairly sure that's a coyote that's a couple of yips before it um, vocalizes. Mm-hmm. But the, the signatures prior to that, the upper signatures uh, are are strange. I, I don't know what to attribute those to. They're not exactly like coyote, however they could be. I did go back and really look at the upper sounds, and what sounds like could be whistles are actually clipped bird calls. I had um, edited it down to really just kind of zero in on the coyote call, and and when I did that, I kind of messed up the, the bird calls there, so... They're kind of sounding like uh, beeps and chirps and whistles. Right. That's the whoop, whoop kind of yeah. that definite like sounds like a whistle. And in fact, before we got you on the phone, Dave, there is a, one of my bosses here at the uh, <laughs> studio. We were playing this for him and he was like, well, that's a bird, you know. And yes. yeah, that was definitely a bird. Now, the but the interesting thing that we discussed was the the super high response. Yeah. And this is where, again, if you take me and put my personal experience in what I thought was going on at that moment. I thought I howled. Those guys are several hundred yards behind us at the top of this hill. They hear me howl in this bottom and one of them just gives a woo. And then it got a coyote going. That is what I thought. I knew the coyote when I heard it immediately. The first one I just assumed was a human. Yeah, and that's the one that uh, has my interest. I, I'm not quite sure what what's going on there because it's um, kind of out of character, but uh, sometimes we get strange sounds. You know, you can't go one way or another on those. I just have to uh, go back to known coyote vocalizations and just listen to see and hear that particular vocal. So right now I can't say it's either a coyote or, or something else. It's, it's just very strange. It's something I'm not familiar with seeing visually. Well, here's the thing that I appreciate about what uh, you do and what, what you've done with, with these pieces of audio is um, you don't prescribe anything to it, but you say, well, I've looked at you know, however many different kinds of animal calls. This right. doesn't really share the same characteristics as those. I can, you, you can, I can show you why or you can see why. Um, that these are different. So while you, you can't necessarily tell us what it is, you can say, well, you know, it it's probably not a coyote because they don't do this, and it's probably not a bird, or it's probably not this or that. And right. um, I, I think that's really helpful, especially like I said, I I played it for a lot of people, and their immediate first response is, oh, that's just the, this. And uh, when you look at it that way, you say, well, you can't say it's just that. I mean. Who knows what exactly. it is, but you can't say immediately say it's just this. It doesn't bother me when people ha- have a conclusion because they're just going based on their history, what they think they know. I use the Macaulay Library of Sound that is um, a third-party, disinterested third-party 
They have known vocalizations that are filed and categorized by name, by file number, so that anybody can go listen to them. And what I do is I will go to that source and find the, the closest possible uh, match and then record it and then pop it into a spectrogram so that I can tabletop it side by side and see if it visually matches. And if it's, you know, uh, resonating in a, in a different area that's not a characteristic of a coyote or if it's uh, resonating differently or if it's showing some different marks than what the coyote is, then the uh, recording stays suspicious in my book. Can I ask just for our own ego, I guess, you've listened to I don't know how many different calls. How does how do these that that Clint sent you? How do these stack up? I mean, are these as interesting as as many others that you've heard? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I have to tell you. Uh and this isn't to toot Dave's horn, although his horn definitely needs tooting. <laughs> but uh he's been amazing through this whole process exactly like Cliff said he would be the guy's a pro in every sense of the word. And I got the feeling initially that he was like, you definitely have something interesting here. And then I sent him the clip, which I don't think that I technically had isolated that coyote vocal until I was back in town because, yeah, I was putting that stuff together. And I was like, let me go ahead and here's a ki- what I think is a coyote howl so that maybe you could put it on the so that we could see it. Yes. And then not only that, but. And we're not going to play this for you because technically I don't own the audio. But when Monday in the exact same location that that whistle, high pitch and coyote howl happened, we were interviewing a witness in that exact same location. And this would be Monday right around sunset where Monday, five hours later, just across the bayou, I got the audio that I got. But the film crew, they're talking over it. But there are two specific times when they pretty much got howled at. It sounds a lot like what you got. It does. Yeah. Is that what you is that what you kind of see when you look at that, David? Yes, I'm I'm looking at the uh, set file right now, and there were two quick bursts. They weren't as long, but they're definitely in the area of interest. And again, one resonates a little bit higher than the other one, and the um, higher one vocalizes first, so it's the same pattern. It's like the same situation again. That just all right. So gives me the chills. Yeah, man. if we're if we're speculating here, and I know like this is going wildly, and you, maybe you don't even want to say, but if we're speculating here, you're talking about the same pattern heard by two different groups of people on either side of this bayou. I mean, are we are we thinking that this is the same these are the same two individuals that are uh, doing this? It's possible. That's, That's crazy. That's crazy. And I hate to bring a man of science <laughs> into the craziness. He knows how crazy I think it is because again, we've discussed it yeah. off the it, air, but it's visually it's I mean, there's some pieces of the puzzle that fit, um, so I can't rule it out. It would be fun to maybe analyze it a little more deeper to give you an exact area that the uh, call's resonating, an exact length. I I can do that. I've just done some precursory things, so I haven't really gone into any depth in this. 
Would you mind giving us a little bit of your personal history with this? I mean, obviously something led you to taking files from two crazy people from from Dallas. How how did you how did you end up here and, and what are your what are your feelings? Uh, <laughs> Clint, do we start at the beginning or somewhere <laughs> in the middle and work both ways? Uh I, I think so. I thought that your your story from when you were eleven was great. Um, okay, uh He's like, damn it, I have to sit down now. (laughs) Well, I'm wondering if I really want to relate that or talk more specifically about what got me into the audio end of it. Okay, I tell you what, how long have you been into the phenomenon? Let's just say that first. Okay, well, uh, the first story that I heard about uh, a possibility of monkeys in the woods actually came from my grandfather when I was about five or six. Wow. He uh, had a farm in Battleground, Washington. Uh, he was cutting hay in the summer and up jumped what he thought was a monkey, about five foot tall. He estimated the height because he knew the grass was about four feet tall, and it was about, uh, he, he could see it at shoulder length, but it was running on two legs, ran across the field and hopped the fence and into the woods. So by the time I'm five or six years old, the notion of monkeys in the woods is already there. And again, we don't want to date you here, but this is pre-Patterson-Gimlin. This is pre-Bigfoot. Yeah. Okay, so here's a young child on the West Coast hearing stories from Grandpa about monkeys in the woods. Again, there are no monkeys in the woods, again, according to science. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So you were Uh, around 11 when you had a specific experience yourself. And whether or not you want to detail that now, it's okay, Which, whatever you decide to do. Um, well, I can briefly go through it. Um, essentially, we lived in the, in the country, so I, I was aware that there was bears around, there was cougar around, just about any kind of wildlife you want to name. But we went into this cow pasture. We called it the stump field because it had been logged many, many, many years before using the old spring and buckboard method and it left these tall edifices in this field that the cows worked and munched their way around. So it was kind of a strange and, and a spooky place for kids to go, and so we always liked to go there. And one Saturday afternoon in the fall, we're there, and for whatever reason, we're going down this draw towards the opposite side of the, the fence line. We get there. There's a canopy of trees, uh, limbs that ha- overhang the fence. It's very dense. It's alder, vine maple, brush, fir trees, just a whole collage of different stuff, but it's thick and you can't really see into it. Anyway, one of the guys in the group picks up a stick and starts whacking it on a limb. And the next thing I can remember was alder trees about 10 feet inside the fence line start swaying violently. And we're talking 30-foot alder trees. And then I thought I saw something falling out of the um, tree about 15 to 12 feet up. But then I realized, no, limbs are being ripped off of the tree. You know, we're talking two, three-inch limbs just being ripped right off the tree. And then it cut loose, whatever this thing was, with a scream that lasted about 10 to 12 seconds that I later described to my parents as it sounded like a lion roaring and an elephant trumpeting all at the same time. 
again, kind of that two-note quality. It had a high and a, and a low quality to it. And I knew what a lion and an elephant sounded like because I had been to the Portland Zoo, which was close to where we lived, and I'd heard both of them in the zoos. Whatever it was, it was so loud that it uh, it knocked me to the ground and... Uh, I kind of remember coming too, so I don't know if I actually passed out from the vocalization or not, but it was pretty scary. And the first thing I said when I got up or came to was, run! (laughs) So so we did. The following week, we had what was called a library class, and we would go to the library class out of our normal classroom and learn how to use the library, the Dewey Decimal System, and all that stuff. Again, probably dating myself. The librarian, in order to find out what kind of things interested us, would have a storytelling session or what happened to you over the weekend, and then that way she would kind of know where our interests lie, and she could kind of steer us toward books that we might actually read. So uh, my hands shot up like a rocket, and um, I went into detail of the story kind of like I just told and later during the, um, the library class, I felt a tap on my shoulder, and it was a librarian, and she said, I want to talk to you for a second. And she pulled me aside and started grilling me with questions about, did I see what uh, made the vocalization? What do I think it was? And have you heard cows before? Could it have been one of the cows? And, you know, she kind of went through the whole process like people do when they interview somebody that's a witness. <laughs> So she said, I have a book for you. It's called Abominable Snowman Legend Come to Life. It's just been published. And this, actually, he, Ivan Sanderson wrote that book in 1961, and this was in 63. So she had known it was around, but what was interesting to me is just from me telling that story, she kind of knew what had happened to me and pointed me in the right direction. Yeah, I was going to say that's a pretty astute librarian, especially yeah. before this really became pop culture, to Correct. put those pieces together and say, I've got this one random book that I think you might be interested in. That's pretty great. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a great story. You've been doing this again, this particular type of audio analysis for how long? Well, I started recording in January of 2007. And I know that because it's really what propelled me to get to where I am now. Christmas of 2006, I got what's called a spy-on device from my kids because they uh, I had been out just about every weekend since spring that year doing Bigfoot research. And uh, I would come back with stories. I heard this, I heard that. And they thought, well, maybe he needs a hearing aid. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> nice. <laughs> So they got me um, a listening device. It was an inexpensive listening device, but the first time I took it out, I had kind of an interesting experience in that I went to one of our study areas and we did some knocks and I, I could hear in response something walking trying to flank us. And it was walking slowly, you know, one step at a time. And I was trying to discern if it was a quadruped or biped. And um, I'm pretty sure whatever it was, was bipedal. But it was was large because it was just like going through the brush. And then there was wood knocking in a different direction. And so we started to walk towards that and got some really rapid fire wood knocks. And it was just kind of an interesting exchange uh, for about 10 minutes. And But 
I came away with, you know, all I got is still another story. So the following weekend, I purchased a um, just a little handheld digital pocket recorder and ran the uh, Spion or Bionic dish through that recorder and um, was able to monitor, listen to what I was recording and capture the sounds as they were being amplified. So I went back to the same location with another interested researcher. And when we got there, as I was putting my gear together, the uh, researcher turned to me and said, did you hear that? And I said, no. I said, there was a wood knock. And so I knew that something was there. We hopped into the woods. As soon as I got into the woods, a wood knocking activity started and also some screams. So it was really uh, cool there. I got a a great recording and I'll be more than happy to send that to you because for the longest time I thought I had lost everything because (laughs) the the quality of the recording was marginal to say the best. And so that got me going, you know, if it's an equipment situation, I'll just get better equipment, which I did. So I just kept amping up my game and refining and refining and refining to the point where I'm now able to analyze sound visually and edit it visually. You see, Matt, in 2007, you and I were getting digital recorders together to go to the uh, Democratic National Convention. (laughs) Right. And... uh, and this guy had it all figured out way before <laughs> exactly. that nobody cared about what Bill Clinton said or what kind of Fox News commentator yelled at me when I stumbled into their booth on accident. <laughs> this guy had it figured out. So one other thing that I wanted to get back around to that first initial recording, the first spectra analysis that you sent us, there was a there's obviously the cow and yes. Clint says that's a cow. I say, he says it's a cow. Then there is a, what you and I are now, we're discussing and we're calling a horn vocal, but... To me, it sounded like a honk or something like that. Right. Yeah. When we first, Matt and I, were looking at what you sent us, Matt was like, so he's saying that was a second cow. And I was like, well, that's what it looks like he's saying here on this analysis, but I'm telling you that's really weird because one, it didn't sound anything like the other cow, and it was in the total opposite direction i emailed david back again at this point we're just in correspondence and why don't you go ahead and tell everyone what you kind of uh noticed upon second analysis uh, that the vocalization was much more shorter the the, the cow version is kind of a longer and this one it was more of a hoop in other words it was really shorter then i realized when i really dug into it that it had more of a horn quality to it and that is in keeping with some things that other recording researchers are are getting in the field People probably mistake it for an air horn. I think I sent you two. Yeah, yeah, I definitely have a couple of those. So here's what I was gonna do. I'm gonna play the. Uh, I'm gonna play my audio file that you enhanced just to that point, so that people know what we're talking about. You can hear us say that it's a cow. Upon that initial sound, I kind of. That is when we're. I'm turning around in the other direction, and 
I initially thought that it was, again, like all one thing that happened. And I thought that maybe just in me turning around, I had like, you know, moved the phone enough that it kind of cut it out, but where it connected the two. But again, here's the initial, the, the initial one. And you can faintly hear the cow, then us discussing the cow and then the quote unquote, what we're calling a horn vocal. Okay, you heard that, Matt. Right. Okay, so here is... Which one would you recommend playing first, Dave? I've got the car horn mimic. I've got... Yeah, that, that uh, car horn mimic um, is what I believe a real horn that goes off first. And then if you listen closely, something mimics it. And I say that it mimics it because I have three or four other instances where other types of um, audio have been mimicked here. So there is a mimic at this specific spot, including trying to mimic an emergency vehicle siren, (laughs) uh, which which really threw the investigator that heard it for a loop. That's really interesting. Okay, so listen to this, Matt. This is uh, the car horn with mimic. Okay, so now I have the uh, the other one with the goat stomp. Yeah, that's uh, at another site that I'm working at right now where there is a horn vocalization and there was a response by one of the goats stomping its feet. So check this one out, Matt. The interesting thing compared to the other one that we got, it's so obviously so much shorter. Yeah. Right. It's not a howl by any stretch of the imagination. It is a almost a whoop in terms of how quick it is, but it's strong, but quick. There's another one that recorded this in Montesano. What's the backstory on this one? Same location as the last one you played. So uh, whatever vocalizes like that has done it numerous times at this specific location. And um, the witness was on their back deck and was within less than 50 feet and about blew her off the deck. Wow. Okay, so this is looped again five times. So we'll play this. It's a really intense sound. Yeah, and for those that might say, that's a dog. Nope, sorry. <laughs> I can show you visually it's not a dog. Again, that's the amazing thing about his, about David's science, Matt, is that sound, again, I was having this discussion with Seth and Shannon after it happened, and the idea that Seth was there when they got howled at, Shannon has had something kind of howl at her out at Salt Fork in Ohio. I'm playing that thing. And of course, Seth is like, it's a coyote in the old man breed love way. But we were discussing about just how, you know, personal experiences, just that personal experience. And right. in right. the moment, it is this and, it you know, it feels this way. The most unbelievable thing about this is, again, when you put a visual representation on a sound, 
it's just like a fingerprint in a lot of ways that he has a library of sounds that almost without even having to listen to, you can take a visual representation of a sound and mark it down. Yeah. That's it. That's it right there. The interesting thing about the human mind, if you take how um, we understand things and break it down, 50% of the population really understands or gets information, understands it really well visually. 30% of the population only gets it audio. In other words, if you tell them something, they will understand it. Most people have to read it. But if you combine visual and auditory, now you're reaching 80% of the population. The kinesthetic folks, the touchy-feely folks, are still kind of left out in the cold on this deal. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's the psychology degree coming out right there, right, David? Man, I can't thank you enough. It's so cool that through this experience that I had that I ended up, again, making a really good friend. And this isn't the last that we will discuss this. You all right? Sorry about that. Did you get a horn vocal (laughs) knock you off the porch? (laughs) Yeah. It's so cool that through this little thing that we, again, end up meeting someone who's not only great at what he does but an amazing person and it's cool to know that not only will this not be the end of this foul cow analysis but uh i kind of really feel like more to come you know uh without giving away some of the things that both of you know where we've been invited and some of the things that might be coming up david i don't know why this stuff happens to me i don't know why i can go into the woods and scream one time and all of a sudden i get yelled at i don't know why i can take a microphone into a haunted hotel and say is anybody here and i hear somebody talking right back at me on the phone but let's all take advantage of that (laughs) this giant magnet with a pole on the top well i'm i'm glad to look and to see that you um or hear that you consider this a blessing instead of a curse, because some some people go that direction too. So um, you you embrace it, and so that's why it happens. Well, it's all in the name of entertainment at this point. <laughs> I'm obviously fascinated with the whole thing. Most of the people that know me. Well, really, pretty much everyone that I've had any kind of a conversation with has already heard of what happened. And it's such an odd thing to say to someone. In fact, yesterday I was at the park with uh, Sadie was having a play date and I hadn't seen the guy that this, this little girl's dad in a while. Really cool guy, outdoors type. And I was like, so I was in Arkansas last week. <laughs> Guess what I heard. <laughs> and uh, it's really funny, like, how difficult it is to get around to telling somebody that. But then at the same time, I have this wild audio file on my phone that I'm like, I'm just going to say, listen to this. And the looks that I've gotten have been pretty incredible. And yeah. the looks that I got from the locals at the time were, again, the knowing nod that, like, yeah, that pretty much sounds about like what I heard. Even Lyle told me that, you know, one night that he was out in that same area in Mercer Bayou that kind of had a similar experience in terms of the howl. He just didn't have it on tape. And again, David, I can't thank you enough for everything that you've already done. And uh, obviously, we're going to continue to share audio that you have access to. And I'm really excited for people to get to, if maybe they didn't know who you were ahead of time. Uh, to really figure out how you're researching. Is there a particular place where if someone wanted to get a hold of you, if they had audio files that they've captured that maybe they would like for you to take a look at? 
Yes, you can uh, contact me at olympicproject.com. Uh, we have a web page on the internet, and uh, there's contact information on the on the web page. Just follow that. And um, if your file is is too large to email to me, uh, I use Dropbox, so you can put it in a cloud format if you like, and. Uh, send that information and link to me that way. So, yeah, I'd be more than happy to clean up anybody's marginal audio. I thought that some of my best stuff was left in the woods because the, the, the quality of the recording was so bad that this new software that I'm working with uh, seems to work some magic. So I'm, I'm looking forward to helping people enhance and uh, maybe resurrect some, some files they thought were lost. Friend of the show, Cliff. Barakman sent me, or Berikman, <laughs> sent me right to Dave. The way that he is discussing getting a hold of David is exactly what I did, because all Cliff told me was, you need to get a hold of David Ellis at the Olympic Project. Google, bam, email, response. And yeah. all of a sudden, I feel like instead of having something that I had to ask someone to put a pair of headphones on to hear... Now it just sounds completely different, and not only does it sound completely different, but we have a visual representation yeah. of that and so much more. David, it was a blast getting to know you last night. Thank you Thank so you. much for jumping on. I'm glad Matt got to talk to you, and I know this will not be the last time that we uh, we have you on the cast. Well, thanks, guys. Feel free to use any of those files that I sent to you at any point in time that you get the urge. Yeah, with the uh, and we will definitely give the proper shout outs to those who recorded it. I will be in touch with you shortly about a few of the other things that we talked about. And uh, okay. I really appreciate it. You're amazing. And I can't wait for people to see not only hear what you did, but see what you did, which is it just really puts it on a different level. Yeah. Uh, David, let me just say real quick, when I saw the text from from Cliff about you, I was interested. I was intrigued. But the how generous you have been with not only your knowledge but your enthusiasm has completely blown me away and the stuff that you sent back to clint and that he shared with me um i i that's far exceeded whatever i thought i thought maybe you would you know goose up the audio a little bit and then send us on our way but you have been so helpful and just not not just helpful but increased my knowledge of this subject and well, what can be done with with it? it it's uh, it's blown me away, and I've, I, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Well, I'm trying to create more audio files out there. It's the only way we can kind of nose the ball down the road. Uh, we need to get these calls out of the suspicious column and more towards the known. And the more credible sounds that we can lump together and say, look at all these tendencies and traits. Doesn't that look like it's something out of the ordinary? And maybe somebody somewhere uh, in the bioacoustic world in biology, some maybe young up-and-coming person might want to take the ball and run with it in the science world. Yeah, I'm kind of doing the, the, the legwork here in hopes that uh, somebody can take over the ball when, when that time comes. Yeah, and you know, I mean, it's, it's just such a big piece of the pile of evidence of something being out there. Everybody's focused on on photo or a video. But, I mean, obviously, Clint and I know the power of audio. And well, the interesting thing with the audio is a digital recorder, even uh, now we know if it captures a weak vocalization, we can make it into something usable. So the uh, distance factor 
of when you go out into the field just increases exponentially. So, you know, your chance of having something come across your path visually is is very low, but your chance of hearing something is very, is much higher in areas of interest. So now, you know, hopefully more people will carry digital recorders with them. It's really easy. You just turn it on and leave it on. Try not to talk when something is vocalizing. <laughs> Even if you don't have a digital recorder, folks, I did this with my iPhone and, you know, I'm stepping on that audio and you can still hear how good it came across. But it's amazing that it's just, again, one of these things where we all have tiny computers in our hands all the time now. And I was just getting audio for the podcast. I was just trying to get some, I mean, this guy's such a character of trying to get some backwoods Arkansas banjo playing and uh, look what I found and I know that there are people out there that listen to this show that have stuff and I am so excited to see what people send you because I know it's coming because there have been so many people that were in the same situation as me and I thought as a professional radio man that I would have a engineer or a specialist and again we're talking about people that are high up in food chains or not necessarily me and you but some of the people that i sent that to and that's what i told him i was like you blew everyone out of the water on the professional side so like dave said if you have something and you feel like it's just not that great you can be surprised at what you can come with and can't thank you enough man well, thank you. I uh, do appreciate the accolades, Matt, Clint. This has just been a wonderful interview. Thank you very much for having me on your program and letting me uh, have a soapbox for a few minutes. You bet. You bet. And it won't be the last time. I'll be in touch with you really soon, like probably later today. Thanks, David. <laughs> hey, thank you so much, David. Have a great evening. You too, guys. Bye. All right, brother. So, of course, if you want to follow... Anything that we're doing, you can find us, oktalk.podbean.com. That's where the podcast lives. You can go and find any previous episode there. We're also up on iTunes, on Stitcher, on TuneIn, working on the process to get us up on Google Play, which should be done soon. And it really, any any uh, if you just go to our, our website, again, oktalk.podbean.com, you can grab our RSS feed, put it into any sort of podcatcher you want, and we'll be there for you. And any of those services that we are officially on, please leave us, leave us a rating, leave us a review. It helps tremendously. Aside from that, we are active both on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, we are constantly responding. If you send us a message, we will get back to you. If you leave us a comment, we will likely respond to it. Um, and just... On Facebook, we are OK Talk Show, facebook.com slash OK Talk Show. Like our stuff, share it with people, like our page, share that with people. We appreciate it so much. On Twitter, we are twitter.com slash OK Talk Show, at OK Talk Show. Uh, you know, send us a tweet. We'd be happy to get back to you anytime we are on it constantly. If you want to send us an email, a longer message, we are OKTalkPodcast at gmail.com. So do that. And again, I cannot stress enough. Like like the page, share it, follow us on Twitter, leave us a rating and review. All of that stuff is immensely helpful. It's not just to make us feel better. It is something that uh, helps us share what we do with a lot of other people. We appreciate all of you who are there so far and keep on liking it. Keep on listening. Keep on trucking. Keep on searching. Clint, just texted me just out of the blue i hadn't talked to him in like a day or whatever and he just texted me just swamp wookies 
<laughs> They're out there. They are there. All right. Thanks, guys. Stood there and laughed as a black water sucked him down And then he turned around, went back to the shack Picked up the money and ran Hadn't gone nowhere when they realized That they were running in quicksand And they struggled and they screamed But they couldn't get away just before they went under They could hear that old man laughing In a voice as loud as thunder And 50 years ago, you go by there yet there's a spot in the yard in the back of that shack where the ground is always wet. And on certain nights, the moon is right down by that dark footpath. You can hear three young men screaming. You can hear one old man laugh. You ever go back in the woody swamp, baby? Better not go at night. There's things out there. 
in the air at Littleton Coin Company and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. 